<laughs> that is Tony Gwynn Jr. over there trying to wave himself into camera range as we get underway. Gwynn and Chris, happy to be with you. Finally, a Friday. It is 2.01. Chrisello, Tony Gwynn Jr., the Hall of Famer, of course, Tony Gwynn Jr., now a member of the Poway Titans uh, Hall of Fame, or he will be inducted on November the 4th. Matt Scraby and I, we're not getting inducted anywhere, but uh, we're just hanging out, having some fun here on Gwyn and Chris, here 97.3, the fan, San Diego sports talk leader. And, of course, you can also watch now as we wrap up our first week on the uh, stream. Go to a 97.3, the fan SD on Twitter or 97.3, the fan SD page on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the channel so it'll be easier to find us in the future. So we say hi and how are you? And uh, welcome to everybody. Tony, uh, the American League and National League Championship Series both got a lot closer yesterday. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. The uh, Specifically the... <clears throat> The AL. Yeah, tied up now. Tied at two, pivotal. Game five on the National League side, you know, it was a a close one like we predicted, but the Diamondbacks. Came up up with it. Came up with the big hit in order to win, Cattell Marte, and it it got it off your guy who you've been wobbly about all postseason. Yeah, Craig Kimbrell hasn't failed the Phillies yet, but uh, yesterday he had a little trouble finding the strike zone, and... uh, that helped. Uh, I'll I tell you what, the Diamondbacks' base running in that game was not great. No. But uh, it didn't matter. Uh, it's all, all is forgotten when uh, Cattell Marte saves the day with the so you say that bases loaded single. You say ninth. that it is it is that they didn't have base running. I, I assume we're talking about the bases loaded double play? Well, I'm talking about the other first one that and I missed? third. No, the runner, no, I'm talking about the play in the seventh inning, right? After Lourdes Gurriel doubled, Alex Thomas scored. And that tied the game 1-1, and then Paven Smith got an infield single. So they had first and third with nobody out. And the Phillies brought the infield in, and a hard ground ball was hit towards shortstop. Trey Turner grabbed it, held the runner at third, and turned the double play. Now, I've... You can pro- you can probably tell me I'm wrong, Tony, but I've always believed if you are the runner at third base in a first and third situation with nobody out, you have to run. You can't just stand there at third base while they turn a double play. Because to me, if you do run, you get caught up in a rundown between third and home. The worst you've got, at least still have two runners on with one out. You might be able to get those runners to second and third if you can stay in the rundown long enough. But to me, what Lourdes Gurriel Jr. did was totally, totally backward. He just stood at third base. Now there's two outs, and he's still at third. So tell me... I mean, is that coaching or is that bad base running? Or just, both or I, neither? I think it's just a really good play by Trey Turner. You just think it was a great play by Trey Turner. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can't guarantee that if you get into that rundown that you don't end up getting doubled off somewhere else in a rundown. Because you're Could ultimately happen. trying to replace the runner in which that you're giving up at that point. Now, they could just stay at first and second and you, you run into the out. But, you know, that the runner on third in any – in any circumstance, is better than a runner on second, and so you know at some point you got to come up with a two so out. You knock. thought Gurriel was all right, yeah. I mean, and, and staying and, at third and, while they turn the double play. When you got no outs, runner on third, and they bring the infield in, yeah. You're as a runner, as a team, you're thinking, all right, we got a couple cracks at this. They're cutting down the runner. They're not conceding the runner at home, right? And so 
you have to assume that with the infield in, they're they're coming home on on anything. And it was the perfect play to if they were even if they had the contact play on, he's going to be out by several feet. But yeah. it was a great side, play by Trey Turner. Uh, I just it, don't think Arizona did it right. Yeah, that's no, just my feeling. But I can't. You I know, think again, most people would disagree. Most people would disagree. All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, here's the other one in the ninth inning. Most baseball people would disagree. Really? Say. Yeah. Uh, you would hold the runner at third and let him turn a double play. He's not really. Most shortstops ain't aren't going to turn to right there. They're going to hold you at first or at third, look you back, and then they're going to go to first base. Okay. And they're going to have second and third. So you're just giving Trey Turner credit Trey Turner, for an amazingly good play. Trey Turner has made a very instinctual play. Okay. And got the double play. All right. Well, I'll give him that one. How about this one? Ninth inning, runners at second and third, with nobody out. And again, the Diamondbacks just need something to the outfield to win the game. And again, ground ball to shortstop. Coming home, coming home, they throw out Lourdes Gurriel with the potential winning run. You said second and third? No second out. and third, okay. nobody out. Ground right. ball, Trey Turner comes home again. This time, Lourdes Gurriel is running. They throw him out at home. Paven Smith, the runner at second, stays at second. Doesn't get to third with one out was, on a ground ball. Was the infield in? Yep, infield was in again. See, to me, he's got to get to third with one out and give them the chance to score on an out. It didn't matter because Cattell Marte ended up getting the base hit and Smith scored and they won. But I thought that was another base running blunder by the Diamondbacks. Again, maybe I'm wrong. No, man, I, I, I need to see the play. I didn't see that one like I saw the one in seven. Okay. But the way you described it, Sounds like, yeah, Paven Smith should have been able to get the third, replace the guy that At least was going with home. one out right. so that a sacrifice fly will win the ball game. Anyway, yeah. the Diamondbacks overcame all of it. It's fun to kick it all around. It is a 2-1 series. They'll play game four tonight with a couple of bullpen days for both teams. Christopher Sanchez is going to start for the Phillies. They'll try to get a couple innings out of him. Joe Mantiply, who is clearly a reliever, is going to start for the Diamondbacks. I think they're going to go with him just to try to get out Schwarber and Harper in the first inning. And That's uh, that's, that's, how, that's what this that's, series is boiled down to, That's what to, it's right? boiled down to. And uh, give Brandon Fott a lot of credit, the rookie yeah, for Arizona, yeah, yeah. to be able to shut down the Phillies like that through nearly six innings, keep his team in the ball game, and uh, you know, give Arizona a chance to win that, get back in that series. Now, on the other side, uh, Bruce Bochy's starting rotation, which has kind of fizzled here now. In the last couple of games, Andrew Heaney didn't get through the first inning. And you and I talked about this, that if it comes down to two bullpens in Game 4, which it did, the Astros have a much better bullpen than the Rangers. And if you look at it, the Astros' bullpen through six and two-thirds innings, allowed three hits and no runs. And the tough part about that is they used none of their high-leverage guys. And they didn't use any of their big-time guys. You're right. The Rangers' bullpen in eight and a third innings allowed seven runs. And this speaks to your point about the Astros having a better bullpen. Yeah, way better. I think 
they neither side used their high leverage guys. But. One side paid for not using their high leverage guys because they don't have <laughs> yeah, those the same type hit. of depth that, that Houston has. Yeah, Houston has evened up this series. Jose Abreu has been a uh, a revelation for the Astros in this series. Now, this is one of the better players in baseball in the last decade. But the Astros signed him to a free agent deal. He had a rough year. Beat out the a, Padres for it. Beat out the Padres for him. And Padre fans were kind of thinking, wow, we blew that one. And then they were thinking, well, we didn't blow we that dodged one. dodged a bullet. Because <laughs> he only hit 680 on the OPS, 18 home runs, kind of a bad year for Abreu. But, man, as he slugged in this uh, playoff, he's got four home runs in this series. He's got an OPS over 1,000. And his three-run homer was really what put the game away yesterday. So the Astros and Rangers are 2-2. The visiting team has won every game so far. Now it's back to the Game 1 starters, and they are just underway in Game 5 with Jordan Montgomery and Justin Verlander. And Alex Bregman welcomes Jordan Montgomery to this game with a two-out solo homer in the top of the first inning. Just cleared. It didn't just clear the fence. Moments ago, it cleared the fence, yeah. and so the Astros are off and running the, again, leading one to it nothing. It certainly seems like the Avalanche. To be honest, the Astros offensively this year were, by their standards, disappointing. But come playoff time, this is, I think, the offense that everybody had expect, expected during the season, and for good reason, right? I mean, Abreu's all of a sudden swinging the bat. Yeah, Tucker hasn't even gotten going no. in this series at all, yet... They can still go out and put hang a ten spot uh, in an ALCS, and this is this was a game four, you know. So I, I think right now all momentum, and we talked about it yesterday. If the Rangers didn't take care of yesterday, yeah, I thought oh so too. Boy, they, they and they seem to be in trouble right now. Already right off the bat, one nothing Houston on the quick home run by Bregman, uh, top of the first inning. I the only hope I have for the Rangers because I don't think they're going to win today. I think they're going to lose again at home. Is that they're going to go back? Is that they're going to go back back to Houston? (laughs) And just like the 2019 World Series, remember the visiting team won all seven games? The Nationals lost all the middle games at home, then went back to Houston and took the championship behind Strasburg and company. But, yeah, I think Texas is in trouble. The Astros have so much confidence on the road. I don't think Texas can stop them today. I don't think Verlander's going to cough up anything at all today. So I look for the Astros to take a 3-2 series lead there, and we'll see what happens tonight. I don't know. This is a It's a bit of a coin flip when you go to two bullpen games. Yeah, but again, I think yeah. the Phillies have a better bullpen than Arizona, although Arizona's bullpen has been great in these playoffs. So that's the story in the Major League Baseball playoffs. We had Thursday night football last night. For Matt Scraby, it is over. His run in the survivor pool mm. ended last night as he chose the Saints to try to keep him Stop alive. Stop waving at me, Tony. He's not happy with this. The Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, won was a pretty good game, thirty-one to twenty-four. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I sorry about that. Early you know, this, on. Is, this is your fault. It really is your fault because you, you, you only, had an easy answer. You had an easy pick of the Seahawks, who are big time favorites over the Cardinals, yep. and you keep saying you think the Seahawks are going to lose when the real reason you didn't pick them is because you hate them. Facts. 
I facts. No, I feel like I really feel like they're gonna get beat by the Cardinals no, this don't. week. That's well, why you, I didn't I pick think, them. If I, I, th- th- I think at this point you better hope so because yes, because if they win that game, Monday, you're gonna uh, yeah, you're, you're gonna, gonna be uh, upset that you, know, you didn't make that decision. I accepted early on in the game that it was over for me because the Saints were terrible in the first half, and then for somehow, some way, they found the offense in like the fourth quarter. Yes, Saints made a nice comeback in that game and had the final drive to get down there and tie it up, but uh, they're a tight end. God oh, bless him. Dropped Foster that pass Murrow. in the end zone, and he's uh, he's still sick about that. Poor so. guy's probably getting death threats, too. There's yeah, no he dropped how, Scraby's. How well, works. Scraby's probably one who sent him one since <laughs> he's out of the survivor pool. I so. didn't, do you want to know why I didn't? Because Foster Moreau uh, had lymphoma and beat lymphoma, so I think he's... You knew that beforehand? Yes, I did. Oh, I right. did. So I did. When he played with the pass. Raiders. So you spared him, is what you're saying? Well... I, I just don't think I should be making fun of a guy who beat lymphoma. I, I'm glad you feel that. Yeah, way. I agree. But that's, that's very that, nice. That's not always. It wasn't. A, it wasn't. You're all such on a. Him. You're such a gentle giant. I know. I know. You know. You're just such a pleasant human being. That wasn't all on him though, because that throw by Derek Carr wasn't like you don't knock it off. It was. It, it was just a little too far. If just you're like a, a centimeter uh, too whatever, far, dude. That ball hit him on all four. All, if we're going all to four, all eight fingertips, <laughs> all all nine. <laughs> Fingertips. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know, but it was. I don't think that he should get all of the blame. Well, he's going to get. He's getting it all. I, I'll tell you that much. So, uh, Jacksonville uh, behind Trevor Lawrence, who'd never won a game in the Superdome, uh, gets the thirty-one twenty-four. Don't look now. The Jags are five and two. So you know, it was funny. They're coming around. The contrast of I don't know if you guys saw uh, the 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 Texans or not the Texans the uh, the Titans kicker missed that kick last week and he went over. And he goes, oh, no, it wasn't the kicker. It was the, the punt returner. He dropped a punt. He muffed one. They lose the ball. He comes over to the sideline. He sits next to DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre looks at him and, like, gets up as he sits oh, down. Oh, wow. Contrast to what my man yesterday drops the uh, the tying, the possible tying touchdown. Oh, right? yeah. And he goes to his bench and. He had like three or four teammates like surrounding. Like Come hud- over and tell like him hud- it was hud- all right. It was just, so uh, DeAndre Hopkins, seriously, he just got up and walked he, away? He, he, His he, own teammate? Side-eyed him like, Boy, I can't nice. believe you dropped you know, that fumble. Listen, I, as as have, having been in those type of environments, you're going to have some teammates that are going to come to your age. You're going to have some teammates that are pissed. That's just the way it goes. But they just happen to catch this one on camera. Yeah, uh, the uh, NFL, the former NFL players I've like done podcasts with or worked with, they always say that the kicker is their best friend until he's not. Exactly. They're like, what are you doing here if you're not going to make kicks? Yeah, well, Foster Moreau didn't make a catch, and the Saints fell 31-24. The Astros, after a Jordan Alvarez base hit, followed the Bregman home run, settled for one run in the top of the first. Texas coming up against Verlander. One nothing in the American League Championship Series. Pivotal Game 5. We'll keep you up to date with that throughout the show. Mark Ziegler will join us. It's a big day in the soccer world in San Diego. The unveiling of the new name and logo for the new San Diego soccer franchise in the MLS. Although... The Athletic kind of ruined the surprise by uh, by uh, leaking the logo and name yesterday. We'll talk about that. Uh, we've got a big-time countdown for you today. Uh, top five gross things. 
I'm not 100% sure what that's referring to, Everything. but we'll uh, find out when we get around to that in the 3 o'clock hour. And a bonus Friday edition of Chris's Fantabulous Sports Game Show is coming later in the program as well. It's been a while, Scraby. It's been a while yeah, since uh, Scraby has taken a beat down from Tony on the uh, hey. Fantabulous hey, Sports Game Show. remember what happened last time. Remember. Last time? Last time. What? what? Tony came up with Hungary. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That's where I was going with it. pulled out the victory. That's where I was going with it. That that led to a victory. But Russia is a European country, but Turkey isn't. Russia, don't even give me a Scrape is still upset about that. I am. We'll find out uh, what uh, today's uh, fantabulous sports game show category is a little later on. Daily Gambit, Chris versus the fans, the Big Five. You can listen. You can watch on the stream. One way or another, be a part of the festivities. Gwen and Chris underway Friday, San Diego's number one sports talk station, 97.3 The Fan. 2.23 on the clock, Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scraby. Game five in the ALCS. one nothing currently. Astros atop with uh, the solo shot from Bregman. Uh, Dennis Lint had an article out this morning. Talking, boy, Dennis. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis uh, giving us something to, to chew on a little bit as it pertains to the Padres. And uh, the article was about Xander Bogarts and the possibility of why the Padres may ask uh, him to move to the right side of the infield, whether that's second or first. Uh, there certainly needs to be a discussion, it, it sounds like, or there's going to be a discussion, it sounds like. And last year, 2023, this came up a little bit, but... To my knowledge, and I think Dennis kind of covers this in the article, he was, Xander was told he would be a shortstop through the 2023 season. His actual um, de- defensive metrics turned out to be average to just above average. So, I mean, he wasn't necessarily a, a terrific, you know, one of the top shortstops, but he, he got the job done. I think he's pretty good. I do, too. I mean, I don't really have a problem with him there at shortstop, honestly. He he makes he had uh, I think he had eight errors total. Four of them came in like a pretty quick span. None of them were throwing errors. Uh, just really starting. Sorry, I got you know we're supposed to you know my 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 computers or my FaceTime beeps. Everybody's supposed to take a drink. So yeah, um, unless you're driving, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, nonetheless. Uh, I I'm think... not driving. Hang on. <laughs> no, the last time I took a drink, it was yeah, catastrophe. You, you don't need to drive. <laughs> you just the drinking itself uh, yeah, can get you in no trouble. Good. But this is this is something that uh, you know came up a little bit last year. Obviously, the Padres have a, a ton of of really good defensive infielders. The problem is they have too many, and so I mean, and this is not even counting Fernando Tatis Jr., who has expressed. You know, at some point, wanting to go back to shortstop. He feels that is his best position. And so you're left with a little bit of a conundrum, right? Hassan Kim has been a finalist now at the shortstop position, second base position, and the utility spot. Uh, you know Jake Cronenworth, who was a second baseman, listen, had his worst season as a pro. Some could attribute that to playing first base. Who knows? But... Uh, it's certainly a question, Chris, that the Padres are, are going to have to address. Well, I, I don't know that they're going to have to address it at the very beginning of the season because I think there's a chance Hassan Kim will be playing third base. That's right, because for those who may have forgotten, um, Manny Machado is going to be out till March at its earliest. Yeah. 
So they won't have to make a chip. Probably won't have to make a decision on it. Yeah, beginning. I mean, of the if season. you're going to put, uh, you're going to have to put Kim at third base for Manny. Then you're going to put uh, just put Bogarts at shortstop. I don't understand the reasoning for moving everybody around. I, I really don't. I mean, you've got Cronenworth, Kim, Bogarts, Machado in that order around the infield right now. Is it really going to be that much better if you go Bogarts, Cronenworth, Kim, Machado? I mean, you're going to switch three guys' positions. Why? I mean, yeah. what is the what is the reasoning behind? Is there any factual evidence that Bogarts at shortstop is a liability, or Cronenworth really can't hit because he's playing first base? I think Jake's a great first baseman. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, he played beautifully over there. I don't know if Bogarts is a good first baseman, yeah, and but I do know this. Bogarts doesn't want to play there, yeah. and I don't really like a guy playing somewhere he doesn't want to play. <laughs> no kidding. That doesn't cheer me up. Here's the thing. I think the reason why it comes up is because Ha-Sung has, clearly looks like he may have more range than Xander. But I think the more important question is, is what are you gaining by moving Kim there, right? You might be having a better shortstop at uh, at that position. You And if you move Cronenworth to second base, you can make the argument that maybe you have a better second baseman. But as you said, and this is the part that scares me, right, because I think first basemen are a lot of time, you just throw them over there and you think it's – got to think about all the times that Jake Cronenworth even uh, I mean, has had to – Pick up a, a ball out of the dirt. Yeah, that's his errors on the there, other guys. Exactly, exactly. And so, I'm not so sure that it has to be done at this point, it, especially with the defensive metric saying that he was an average to above average shortstop. You you don't have to have the most elite guy there. David Eckstein is a great example of, of that. Eckstein a guy always played a. Just to, he was a gamer he, at shortstop. He just made the plays that yes, he, he was did. supposed to make. Yeah, I mean, to me, you might have a couple of balls get through where Bogarts is playing shortstop that maybe Kim could get to. But I think that is canceled out by the amount of runs and throwing errors that Cronenworth saves at first base digging balls out. And maybe Bogarts is just great at digging balls out, and we don't know it. But <laughs> right. he doesn't want to do it. I mean, Bogarts pretty much said... Uh, I will play second, short, or center field because once you get to the corner position, you're, you're to one the... step closer to the bench. <laughs> that was Bogarts' statement. Now, a lot of fans didn't like that. They want Bogarts to just go ahead and say, I'll play wherever I want to but or wherever you need me to. Although that is a nice thing to say, if you don't think you're going to be valuable to the team at a position, I think it's better that you bring it up and you say, you know, I don't first base. I mean, that's a totally different side of the field. Yeah, I, think, I mean, he's never seen it. No, I'm going to say never, but very rarely has Bogart seen a ground ball come at him from that direction. I mean, I think what people have to remember is when you enter a 10-year agreement like this, it's as much of a partnership as it is anything. And as you said, if, if he is not a willing participant, to play first base at this point, and maybe he changes his mind, and if he does, I'll feel differently about it. Okay, yeah, but, me too. But, but as of now, like he wants to play short, and his next best option is second base. And so maybe that's the answer. Maybe you just switch him and Kim, you leave Crone at first base, 
you can answer you can at least have that option there. Yeah, but, but once again, I know Kim and Bogarts are about the same at shortstop. I don't know that they're about the same at second base. We've true. never seen Bogarts at second base. Tony, you played center field mostly, but I'm pretty sure if you had played left field and they switched you to right field, there would have been a, a learning curve there. Yeah. I mean, because the ball comes off the bat completely different, slices in different angles and ways. Not a ground ball, you don't have the, the slicing factor. But a ball coming off the bat at first base looks different than it does coming off the bat at shortstop. I, it just has to, based on your position. Now, I will say this. I, I, I would bet that the defensive metrics have Kim as a better shortstop than Bogarts. But to your point, there's no guarantee that. Because Kim, as I mentioned, he's a finalist now, and he's been a finalist now in three different categories, second, short, and that utility spot. We don't know that that's going to be the case for Xander. So, I don't know. The Padres certainly, uh, it it seems like this is some noise that they're going to have to address at some point. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going away. I mean, it's pretty obvious that somebody wants it. Because this isn't the first article we've seen about it. No, no, you no know? doubt I mean, about it. It keeps, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, as they say. So there's that. Let's get to break. When we come back, uh, we Mark got Ziegler. Ziegler. Yeah. Mark Ziegler joins us next. We'll talk He's a on little, top of this MLS thing. We'll talk a little bit about the Aztecs, and we'll certainly talk about the MLS and the leak of what the new logo and team name will be here on Gwen and Chris. Work our way toward the uh, sports weekend. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Mr. Scraby, who is out of the survivor pool. Just thought I'd throw that in there again. You know what? Uh, it's fine. So that Tony could wave at him. It's fine. I'm 5-1 <laughs> in, in the Odyssey Fantasy Football I knew League, you'd so. come back with something. <laughs> I knew you'd come back I'm with something. I'm also a fantasy baseball champion. You, so. have, you have mentioned your fantasy team so many times that I probably will mention that you're out of the survivor pool. Just as many. Huh? Just as many <laughs> to try and, uh, and equal, you know what? The, uh, equal the cause. It. You I know what's funny, Scrabe, is, is I'm not even mad at you for, for stunting a little bit, man. You've had a rough, rough fantasy life. And That's so, true. And this so, year, it's you know, kind of turned for well, him. Well, so far. We got yeah, so far. We, we got know how it's going to turn out. But, yeah, that's a good point, Tony. He's had a rough time. I mean, this guy, you finished last in your fantasy football league so many years in a row years, yes. that they finally decided to do away with the punishment because they were tired of you having to be punished. It's true. It's true. So, Lots of know. injuries, though. Lots of injuries. All right. Oh, yeah. I know. There was yeah. always a good excuse for it. But, uh, yeah, Scraby's out. I'm still alive. If you the are. Bills win on Sunday, I will uh, survive another week. But if ben they Higgins lose, too. then I'll be out as well. Do we know who Ben picked this I week? I am just going to the app right now to figure that out. Check that out. I wanted to – oh, but let me quickly update you. Uh, Bregman's home run is still the only run of the game. Verlander has retired the first six Rangers – one nothing Houston, Astros batting in the top of the third. I can't right. see it until the game starts. So. Okay. Uh, just a quick thought out there. This is a pretty serious note. Uh, my wife was following her boss to a meeting today, driving behind him. He got sideswiped by a lady running a red light. Mark oh, is his name. He's okay. He's uh, got taken to the hospital just for precaution. He's being treated and released, I'm told. So he's going to be okay. Uh, my wife is 
obviously shaken up, though. She saw this all happen right in front of her. Yeah. So, uh, honey, uh, just relax. She did come home, and uh, she's okay now. But I throw it out there just as a daily reminder, you know, drive safe out there and always keep your head on a swivel. You just never know when somebody's going to come barreling through a red light. And uh, lucky for uh, my wife's boss, he's okay. And uh, I think everybody involved in the accident was okay, but definitely a shake-up situation a little earlier today. So... All parties are uh, okay, and I want all you parties out there listening to the show to be okay. Uh, lots going on in the world of Mark Ziegler. Uh, not only the San Diego State basketball team getting ready to defend its run to the national championship game, but the brand-new San Diego MLS franchise having its unveiling tonight. Mark Ziegler joins us here from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Always Hello, a pleasure, Mark. Mark. How are you? Oop, I need to hit the button, sorry. That'd be good. That's my fault. That's hit my the fault. button. It's my fault. Mark, you there? I'm here. There hit he the is. button, all right? The, yeah, now he, he finally now got to it. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, Scraby finally. Stop acting like I don't have like a million things going on over here. <laughs> anyway, Mark's got a million things going on. You don't see him complaining. That's because Mark is a professional. Mark's a professional. That's right. Mark Ziegler, the professional. All right, so Mark, let's just talk about this, uh, the leak or the... Uh, the uh, untimely reveal of the uh, soccer team's new logo and name. Are people a little upset with this? Uh, should we blame the media for this? Or is this just something that uh, we have to learn to live with in this day and age of social media? Yeah, I always just blame the media. I have no idea what happened. Um, you know, they had this thing planned for weeks. Uh, they kept it really quiet. Um, and somehow it got leaked out and uh, the athletics said, well, we're not in San Diego. We're not, you know, we don't care about spoiling the fun for anybody. And out it went. And, you know, it was shocking to me. And maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but, uh, you know, The Athletic puts a story out. That's a subscription-based site. But it took literally, like, seconds for it to be. I mean, Hercules Gomez uh, tweeted it out. He's got 250,000 Twitter followers. And, you know, it was on from there. We were off to the races. And it was funny how many – I was sitting in San Diego State basketball practice um, and, and my phone just started blowing up and I'm like, my goodness, this is crazy. So yeah, a little bit untimely for him and not the way you want your first big introduction to the community to go, but you know, this is the world we live in. I'm not going to lie. At first I, I didn't like it. Then, you know, the more I've looked at it, the more it's grown on me a little bit. What jumps out to me, Mark, is that they're going to be able to sell a whole bunch of different colored jerseys with this with this logo, at least of how it looks right now. There's a bunch of different colors represented. Uh, how do you feel about the logo in itself? Well, I'm never one to ask. You know, like when the Loyal came out with theirs, I really didn't like it personally, and now I've come to really like it. Uh, and I think it, it just uh, these things grow on you. And again, it's a crest. It's yeah. a logo. It's not going to be that big on the jersey. The jerseys themselves are going to be, you know, the main attraction there. And like you pointed out, you, you picked up on something I think is really um, smart is that uh, modern day teams yeah. don't just have two colors and have a home jersey and an away jersey. They have like 50 jerseys. <laughs> right. And even even in, you know, in Europe, where soccer is very much tied to tradition uh, and goes back, you know, hundred over 100 years, um, even those teams in the, in the Premier League will have, okay, they'll have their main home jersey. They might change a little bit, you know, color on the sleeve or something. But their road jersey and then their alternate kit or their Sunday jersey or whatever you want to call it 
is a different color every year. Yeah. I mean, last year Arsenal's was like this pink and white thing. This year is blue and blue and yellow, you know? Um, and then they might have a green Jersey or a, a magenta Jersey. I mean, it, it just, and it's all for marketing. It's all to sell jerseys. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's all about. And so they were very smart to put, you know, three or four colors besides the Chrome and Azul in that logo. And so they can just go in so many different directions. And so I think that would be the big thing for people is when they see jerseys, we're not going to see jerseys today. Uh, that'll be down the road. I kind of like it. I, I, I actually like the uh, logo. I, yeah. I, I, I'm probably in the deep minority here. A lot of people think it's too plain. Uh, it's a soccer ball. It tells me what I need to know, the name of the team. I like the 18 interlocking lines to form the soccer ball. Uh, that represents the 18 cities in our county. Uh, I don't hate that idea, uh, so I think it'll grow on people. But, Mark, the one thing that won't grow on me is the San Diego FC name. And I know that that's what everybody goes by in soccer world, FC Barcelona, you know, this, that, and the other, FC DC United. Everybody's got an FC. I think it would have been better off if they had chosen a nickname. And I, I, you know, they obviously don't, and they just fall in line with the rest of the league. But to me, this is some this is a missed opportunity. I would have tried to tried to do something like that. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't. I think we'll eventually see a nickname, um, but uh, in soccer, it's just very traditional not to have one. And mm. so, like when you go into, if you go to England, um, you know, the birthplace of the sport, there are there are nicknames but they developed organically. The club didn't say we are going to be the seagulls or we're going to be the toffees or we're going to be the cherries. <laughs> it just, it developed organically through the fans uh, and over a number of years. And I think that's their plan. I don't think they're uh, completely against nicknames. I think they just wanted to, to grow organically. Um, you know, and I was starting to think about things like, you know, what do you call the fan section? Well, maybe they'll call it, you know, they'll call themselves the zoo because, uh, the San Diego Zoo, and that would be a very organic uh, and representative name. You know, one thing I would have done with the name, though, that someone pointed out, and I, I wish I could take credit for it, which I think would have been brilliant. Some some teams go by FC, some go by SC Soccer Club, and yeah. some go by AFC, uh, where, where that's Athletic Football Club or whatever. Um, but it would have been cool. You could have gone by AFC, and there's a lot of clubs named that. San Diego AFC, and then that would double for America's finest city. It would have a very personal meaning to a lot of people. Mm. Ah. And if there was a missed opportunity, I thought that might have been it. I mean, I thought that would have been really cool. The soccer snobs would have been okay with AFC. <laughs> and then, you know, we heathens could be just – could say, look, it, it represents America's finest city to us. And how many people would wear an AFC across their chest in this city? Pretty good, no. Mark Ziegler. Pretty good. Well, I'm not taking full credit for it. I'm just going to popularize it or publicize it. Talking some uh, MLS right now with Mark Ziegler. Mark, let's flip, flip, let's flip over to the hardwood. And uh, I noticed was it maybe last week the Aztecs were able to bag two centers. Uh, this was a spot that was a little bit thin, but bringing two guys in, what's, what's your take on these two young men that are going to be Aztecs? Well, one of them, uh, Farrell Compton, is a big-time recruit. And, and I, was try, you know, try, I was talking to some of the coaches about the last time they got a guy who was this highly rated uh, Jeremy Hemsley was really highly rated a few years ago, and they really don't mean anything. I mean, they'd gotten guys who were completely off the radar and turned into incredible players. So it doesn't mean anything. But if if you listen to the the recruiting experts, they are in love with Farrell Compton. He's six eight, 
from Las Vegas. He can move and too. He just, yeah, he plays with this motor that I, I mean, I, you just don't see at any level. And it's and it's what it is about him is it's contagious. Uh, and the, the way I kind of compare him to is Draymond Green, not yeah. not in necessarily all parts of his game, but you know, Draymond Green's one of those guys that you don't want to play against. You want him on your team. Yeah, he goes over the line a few times, and I'm not saying Pharaoh does that, but he plays so hard and with such intensity. Uh, your team's just it just elevates everyone around him, and so that's what I'm really excited to see about him. He's not a great shooter. He is developing a mid-range shot, and he's become a lot better. But he dunks everything. Uh, he rebounds everything. He runs the floor. He flies around the court. And he's going to be some somebody that that fans are really excited to see, and I fully expect him to play as a freshman. I think he's going to be ready, has the body, has the athleticism, and he's just got that freakish uh, wingspan that San Diego State has had in the past. I mean, a 7-3 wingspan on a 6-8 frame um, allows you to do so much and play so much bigger than you are uh, while being a smaller body that can move. So uh, that's exciting for them. The other guy, uh, David Majak, who's almost certainly, I think, will redshirt next year, is a seven-footer from South Sudan who's now in the States, has barely been playing basketball, but he's seven feet and has really good hands, really good feet, really mobile, uh, and great timing and coordination, and he blocks everything. But it's going to take a while to put weight on him, yeah. to teach him the finer points of the game. But in two years, some people told me he has a chance to be, you know, the next great shot blocker on, on their roster. And, they, and you know, they're going to miss that this year because they don't have one. Aztecs basketball gets underway uh, Monday night, November 6th. That's uh, creeping up on Coming us. Up, I yeah. mean, it's only a couple of weeks away. Cal State Fullerton will come to Viejas Arena. I'm excited about the non-conference schedule, Mark. Uh, you know, I think all of us are kind of used to the teams in the Mountain West. We missed, you know, barely missed out on the chance to go Pac-12 or do something different. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll go see New Mexico and Boise State and all the rest of them. But when you've got a non-conference schedule, Aries and Cal and Stanford and Gonzaga, and I know they're not all here in San Diego, but plenty of opportunities for the Aztecs to get high-profile wins. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as their profile has, has increased nationally, they've just taken advantage of the, of the, you know, the chance to get games and get a lot of them. Uh, they maybe got too many of them this year. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, Gonzaga has taken the same approach. They play anybody, anywhere, anytime, and their, their non-conference schedule is even – tougher some years. I mean, last year was crazy, the types of teams they were playing. Uh, and San Diego State, you know, they're not going to duck anyone, and, and, and it just makes them better in the long run. I think they feel like they have such a good profile now that they're going to get the benefit of the doubt from the selection committee on selection, even if they have a few more losses than usual, um, just because of who they played and who they are and what they've done now in the tournament. So that's kind of a little bit of a safety net and allows you to go out there. I think some coaches are so paranoid, like, yeah. oh, if I lose this game, I'm not making it. But I will say this about the Mountain West. I mean, the Mountain West uh, last year, I think, was a better conference than the Pac-12. Yeah, and this I year, I think it's pretty comparable. So, yeah, those teams don't have the same cachet as a UCLA or, or an Arizona. I get that. But in terms of the rest of that conference, it, it, it's just as good or better. Uh, you're going to see some pretty quality basketball. You're going to see a lot of close games this year. Mark, I feel like we have this conversation all the time. It just feels like the committee hasn't quite caught up to the thinking that the Mountain West, from a basketball standpoint, 
isn't a bad conference. I mean, I know oftentimes the San Diego State gets hurt by playing in conference, but then it seems like by the end of the year you see some teams making some noise. So it, it will be interesting to, see, interesting to see how fast maybe the people are paying attention to that. I, I want to ask you a little bit about Lamont Butler in our last one here. Uh, he took a big step, in my opinion, last year, especially as you got into the tournament. What can we expect from him as really – the, the I would say the team leader coming into this year. Yeah, and you've seen that. Um, that's a good observation. You 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 know they they have a little bit of a leadership void um, with some of the players they lost last year, and he stepped into it and he's accepted it, he's embraced it, and he's much more vocal in practice uh, around the team, uh, much more of a um, you know less of a leader by example and a, a, and more of a leader in the locker room with his voice. Um, and then on the court, I think you'll see a little bit of that, little bit of that too. He's always deferred his whole yeah. career. Um, he's been a pass first type of player. He just wants to play defense, just wants to win, wants everyone around him to be better and be, be happy. I think he understood. And I've had some conversations about being a little bit more assertive on offense yeah. and attacking a little bit more. And so I think we'll see that from him. I've seen that in practice. Uh, when he's open, he shoots it. Um, he can create a shot. Uh, he's not afraid to. He he's been driving a lot and passing and dishing, uh, getting into the paint, getting into dangerous areas. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think he's going to score 25 a game, but I think you'll see his scoring average go up. I think you'll see his assists go up. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more late in the shot. Uh, and so he, yeah, he's going to be, you know, he's the face of the franchise right now. Yeah. And it doesn't mean he'll be the leading scorer, but he's the guy. I still love him. Can you just thank him for me? I, I mean, and how many people have asked you to thank him for it? I, he's, yeah, I don't know how many times I've watched that clip, Mark, since last season, but uh, every time I I'm don't feeling, blame you. Yeah, I keep watching it over and over, and you know what? He makes it every time. That's the, <laughs> that's the highlight for me. Uh, last thing for me, you know, Dutch was really adamant at the media day about the fact that, you know what, we are a Power 5 team. And I, I couldn't agree with him more. The fact that they're not in a, quote, Power 5 conference, you just talked about how the conference is, is comparable. Do you think that message gets through to the people in college basketball that the media types, not the people in the sport who know how good San Diego State is? Yeah, I think it is a little bit more. Um, you know, with the conference, it it's its national profile certainly has been raised the last couple of years. they got four teams each in the last two years. The problem was that nobody won out of the conference. So the knock was, well, yeah, they get a bunch of bids, but they can't do anything in the, in the tournament. Well, now you got a team that went to the national championship game. So that kind of got blown out of the water. And so that was like the last piece that had to happen. Um, but, you know, I think the, the, the ranking this year, number 17, that was a lot of respect for a team that lost five of its nine rotation pieces and comes out of the mountain West. Um, and so, it's getting there. I think people are starting to view them as, um, you know, maybe Gonzaga 1A. Um, they're not Gonzaga yet because Gonzaga's done it for a long. But they're right there. Um, Gonzaga's made it to a national championship game, and so is San Diego State. So it's there. It's just going to keep coming, I think. All right, Mark. Thanks so much for everything. Have a great weekend, thanks, Mark. Enjoy the unveiling. Act surprised when they uh, <laughs> when they bring the curtain down on the new logo tonight. We'll catch up to you soon, man. Thanks.
All right. I'll talk to you guys. Always great having Mark Ziegler on. And uh, we uh, head into the sports weekend with that. Uh, quick timeout here. Daily Gambit headed your way next. Still one nothing Astros. They're batting in the top of the fourth. Keep you up to date on the ALCS as well.